This is something I actually, I'm glad you asked that because this is something I really wanted to touch on because I've heard people say before, like something along the lines of like, you have to really commit to a home birth in your mind to do it. Um, But that was not the case for me. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Let's say you struggle with anxiety. Does that automatically count you out as a candidate for home birth? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to bonus episode 110. Because of all the exciting things going on around Happy Home Birth, I felt a bonus episode was warranted for this week. What exciting things? Well, if you haven't heard, I am hosting a totally free, totally awesome, in my opinion, masterclass next week. It's called Home Birth Mythbusters, the five myths you need to bust to have a happy home birth. So are you pregnant and considering home birth? Curious, perhaps, but you've got some reservations? Or maybe you already know that you are for sure having a home birth. Either way, this free learning opportunity is for you. Now, I wanted to share Francesca's story in celebration of this event. Why? Well, I'll give you a twofold reason. First, Francesca's concern with home birth was very anxiety based. However, as you'll soon hear, she took steps to work through the anxiety and decided to give birth at home. And second, Francesca is a successful graduate of my childbirth education program, Happy Home Birth Academy. She used my course to prepare herself physically, mentally, and emotionally to give birth at home. Because I'm now hosting a free learning opportunity, I wanted to share a story from someone who entrusted me with their education and had a great experience with it. So what are you waiting for and what do you have to lose? Go sign up for Home Birth Mythbusters right now. There are several times and days available and there will be a replay sent to everyone who signs up if the time doesn't work for you. But of course, try to show up live so that I can answer your burning questions on the spot. Go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash mythbusters to reserve your seat now. Okay, let's waste no more time and jump into Francesca's incredible story. Francesca, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you on. Just honestly, reading through your application and then talking to you a little bit before we began interviewing, I can already tell this interview is going to be one that so many moms gravitate towards and can relate to. So before we dive in, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you. Could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, of course. Um, so I live in Morgantown, West Virginia. Um, I guess you already said, but my name's Francesca. Um, I am married to my husband, Sergio. We kind of have what I like to consider um, our little fairy, fairy tale story. Um, we actually grew up across the street from each other as kids, and we played together and we jump on my trampoline together. Um, and he's actually three years older than me. So at the time, of course, you know, I always had like a little crush on him, but he was too old for me and, you know, just that kind of little girl looking up to an older guy kind of thing. But, um, you know, we actually lost touch for about 10 years when his 
mom and stepdad split up um, and he didn't live there any longer. And, you know, we were just in different places in our lives. So we just didn't talk for a long time. And we ended up reconnecting in 2017 and started dating and got married exactly one year later. So um, that's kind of like what I consider our little fairy tale romance happily ever after. Um, We both work for our family's companies and we just had our baby December 29th, our first baby together. And yeah, it's very exciting. And um, and then crazy enough, we just decided to buy a new house. So now we're about to move. And that's that's us. You're just checking all the boxes real yeah. quick. <laughs> <laughs> that is the coolest story. Oh my gosh. The the fact that you grew up so close together and knew each other so well and then reconnected. How cool is that? Yes. It's so special to me. I was like, I'm always been, I've always been like a hopeless romantic. So I'm like, I got my love story. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Well, now I'd love to hear a little bit about when you guys decided that you wanted to get pregnant. What was that beginning of your journey like? Um, so, okay. So I've always said since maybe, you know, since I've been the age to even think about children, um, I've kind of always said, I definitely don't want kids. Like I don't enjoy children. Like I just don't want to do it. I think it ruins marriages and just all this. I was really negative about kids. Um, and then I started, you know, dating my husband and I still was like, no, I don't think I really want kids. And he was like, I could go either way. You know, we just kind of were like, lollygagged about it didn't really ever think we would have them um so then we got married um November of 2018 and probably wasn't four weeks later we were on our way to see a movie and I was like really quiet and he was like what's wrong and I was like I don't know I don't know you know I was just beating around the bush and he was like just tell me and I just started bawling and I was like I think I want kids now and I'm just so disappointed in myself like I thought I'd be this cool person that just like traveled and lived this amazing life and didn't have children and now I think I want them because I love you so much and like whatever so he starts laughing at me and you know I was like okay like we can have kids someday like it's fine because so I always said I could go either way like it's okay so you know we kind of just weren't really ready to start then but you know we kind of knew like okay we might have kids someday so then I'm like a really quick natured person and I just always end up wanting things like not that long after I first think of them <laughs> it doesn't take me too long to be like all right we're doing this now um but I want a dog now we have a dog like <laughs> exactly exactly um but you know so it didn't take me too long but it was probably one of my finer moments in terms of patience I did wait until um spring of 2020 to really start pushing the hammer and saying okay we're trying now and he was like I don't know like I don't know if I'm ready yet. And I was like, you're never going to be ready. And neither am I, let's just do it. And he was like, all right, fine. So, um, so we just, you know, kind of went for it. And I was, I think part of my like convincing him too, is I was like, you know, a lot of people have trouble. Like it might take a while. Um, like, let's just see what happens kind of thing. And we, um, with his job, he um, is much less busy in the winter months. So we wanted to time it right and hopefully have a January baby, which we pretty much nailed. Um, but we uh, we kind of only knew that we had like a couple months opportunity out of each year. So I said, this could potentially take forever if we seriously want to, you know, get that time frame right. So 
I said, let's just try this year. I don't want to wait till next year. Like, let's just try. And he said, okay. So we tried in um, April officially. And nine days later, I had a positive pregnancy test. And we we're like, oh, that was easy. <laughs> so, um, you know, we were both excited, a little nervous at first, because we were coming from like, you know, not knowing if we wanted kids to, okay, we're pregnant, super easy. And, um, but it was amazing. We were really excited. Oh, that is such a neat story. I just love, I love how all of it came together and just this idea of, oh, I wanted to be cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to be a lame mom. Yes, exactly. Go ahead, and, the terms with. go ahead and buy the minivan, Francesca. I <laughs> never thought I'd be a minivan person. Now I'm like looking at all my friends' minivans with the most envious eyes because dang it, those doors are just, I'm over it. I know I've got no more chances of being cool. I'm just going to be the minivan mom and live my best life. <laughs> exactly. That's what we're here for at this point. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay. So you get that positive pregnancy test. What do you do? Where do you go? How did, how did it all work out? Um, so like I said, I'm like a super proactive person. Like I don't really like to like wait or anything. I like saw the positive and I, well, it was like one of those little like dip tests. That's like kind of crappy, but like, you know, it was like a kit of like a million of them for like $20 on Amazon or something. So I was like, I don't know, you know, if this is real. So I went straight to Kroger. I bought another test. I got a good one. It was, I could see a really faint positive, I like called my husband and I was like, I had the weirdest conversation with him. I was like, uh, I was just calling to say hi. Cause he was at work and I like was going to tell him. And then I was like, no, no, just wait till the end of the day. Like you can do this, like just be patient. So I like had a really strange conversation with him, like trying not to tell him. And I got off the phone and then um, I told him when he got home from work that day and I, uh, it was close to Mother's Day. So I thought, oh, well, let's wait till Mother's Day to tell our parents and stuff. And of course that didn't happen. <laughs> I was just so excited to share our news. And um, so we kind of told like our immediate families all right away um, and then waited a little while to share with everyone else. But um, yeah, so then I started out with um, OB care. I just assumed I would be just like everyone else. And or most others, I should say, and, um, you know, have a hospital birth, probably an epidural, like, you know, all the works. Um, I didn't want to feel pain. Like I was so scared of all that. And, um, so I booked with the only private OB, um, in our town, which doesn't really leave you with many choices. Cause you either have a private OB where, you know, that's the person that will almost certainly deliver your baby barring any severe complications um and or you go to a hospital system and you get bounced around between ob's every like a different person every appointment and you have no idea who's going to show up on the day right. you deliver your baby so i didn't really feel that i had much choice in the matter um like who i am i need to connect with one person and really feel comfortable with them so it's hard enough for me to even I hate doctor's offices. I hate medical stuff. It's hard enough for me to even go and do that at all. So I know I have to like connect with just one person, but, um, unfortunately I didn't really mesh with her too well. Um, she was kind of, uh, very nice, but didn't really 
understand um, anxiety, which has been a lifelong issue for me. Um, it just runs in my family and I just have a lot of like issues with it. And it is a part of my life. I try to be as functional as I possibly can be. Um, and I do my best to fight through it and work through it. But it um, it's really something that I, I fight with most of the time. And I, I needed someone who could understand that. And a lot of times it felt like my OB was really kind of dismissive of that. She would make comments like, well, you have eight months left to get over this. So you don't ruin your kid. So just not in so many words, but she said like, you know, you don't want to rub this off on your child. Like you don't want to teach them this. And I'm like, nobody taught me this. Like this is in my genetics. Like I can't really help it. And it doesn't help to feel like, you know, I may pass this on to my child through genetics and I don't want to feel like that's my fault, you know, but every time we talked about it, you know, it just felt like she was like, you're going to screw up your kids. So you better get over this crap. Like, you know, it was just really insensitive. So thanks. Yeah. That's not fun. So, so you're working with this private OB and these, this kind of red flag starts coming up. So like you said, there aren't a lot of options. It's either work with this one private OB or go into the hospital system and not know who you're going to get. What, what did you decide to do? I have to tell you, probably every appointment I left there saying, I am not going back to her. Like, I'm just going to the hospital. I don't care who delivers the baby. Like at this point, at least I don't have to deal with her, you know, like it was just as long as it's not her. (laughs) Yeah. It was just that kind of thing. And, you know, she would just really be like, just so insensitive and just make me feel so demeaned. I was like, I cannot do this, deal with this lady, you know, um, she's just crazy and I can't, I can't do this. So but I did, I stuck it out for a really long time because every time I would get talked down either by myself or by my husband or mother, and like, they would just tell me like, you know, you don't want to just be with a random person. You know that, like, at least, you know, how she is. And at least you kind of can talk to her and get a sense of what her, you know, views on labor and delivery are, you know, you'll know who's going to deliver your baby. Like that is what you want. You've told us that's what you want. Like they were just kind of trying to keep me on track, which was helpful. Um, but it's just, I still never really felt fully safe with her. Um, so ultimately like, I mean, by mid pregnancy, I was just so scared to deliver. I was terrified. I just had all these horrible fears in my head. Like I have, um, what they call like white coat hypertension where I like, don't have high blood pressure whatsoever but when I go to the doctor and they take it I cannot get a good blood pressure reading um but at home if I take it on my own blood pressure cuff it's like completely normal so I was so I had this like fear that if I went to the hospital for my delivery I would be so anxious about with my white coat syndrome and then on top of that about labor and delivery that I'd be having like these off the charts, blood pressure readings. And then they'd be giving me some kind of medication to lower it, but I didn't really need it. And then I would be having a plummeting blood pressure. You know, it was just this spiral of thought that was so scary to me. And I just did not want to be in the hospital the more and more I thought about it. Um, So I just started listening to um, podcasts and birth stories. And I started with, um, the one that I started with was the birth hour actually. Mm -hmm. Um, and I loved it. And I heard, um, 
a lot of hospital stories. So they had, they have some home birth stories on there, not a whole lot. Um, but I like to listen to those as well. Um, and I found myself like, even though I always, like I said, from the beginning, I thought, oh, I'll do an epidural. I'll just, you know, save myself as much pain as I can. Maybe that'll help my anxiety, blah, blah, blah. Um, I thought I would go that route, but I found myself gravitating so much more towards the natural birth stories, um, whether it was at home or in the hospital. Um, but the more and more I learned, I learned how hard it is to go natural at the hospital just because of the pressure possibly, or just simply the availability of the option to go for the epidural at that point. Um, and I know that a lot of times I, I started learning so much about how in the hospital they'll push Pitocin because, you know, oh, you're not progress, quote unquote, you're not progressing quickly enough, um, which is usually, sorry to say, like a bunch of BS, like labor just takes time. Don't be um, sorry to say it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it just takes time and that's okay. And everybody's different, but I know that, you know, they want to push you on Pitocin just to get you out of there. And I was like, I knew enough about Pitocin from all my educating myself to know, like, I don't want that. I mean, I heard stories about people getting it and then they have to get, um, what is it called? Uh, tricardia, like to slow down the contractions and then they push more Pitocin and then back to the slowing them down. And I don't know, I just thought that's going to be a recipe for an emergency C-section. <laughs> like, I just don't want this at all. So um, the more and more I liked the natural stories and the more and more I started hearing about home birth and how safe it actually is, um, I really started like kind of in my mind, like that would be so cool, but there's no way I could ever do that. I mean, I'm scared that I would bleed to death or just some horrific thing that would almost certainly never happen, of course, but like with my anxiety and the way that I am. It's just, I just catastrophize. So I was like, there's no way I could do a home birth. I'd be so paranoid. Um, but I started to kind of like, like rolling the idea around with my husband. And he was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'd be like super comfortable with that. Um, like, you know, it just seems dangerous and all this. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think I'd be comfortable with it either, but it's so cool. And like, I wouldn't have to deal with, Dr. Alexander, um, my doctor, but I felt that, um, I didn't even think that there were home birth midwives in my area. Like every time I listened to birth stories, I was like, gosh, these people have so many options in their areas. Like they have all the, they have birth centers, they have hospitals, they have home birth midwives. Like we don't have any of this around here. So, um, I just felt like really kind of depleted, like what, options were available for pregnant women in my area. I was like, this really is a bummer. Like we deserve more, you know? Right. Um, and so I just kind of one day looked, actually my mom suggested, cause my mom kind of knew that I was interested in home birth, but, and of course she knows about my anxiety around the medical setting. Um, and she kind of suggested to me, she said, what if you could find, like, I wish you could find a nurse or a midwife if it's available that would at least like um supervise your early labor early and act early active labor at home um like until you want to go to the hospital so they could kind of help you feel comfortable like all this is normal and you're progressing this much and 
if you want to go to the hospital now would be the time kind of thing. Cause I knew if I was going to do a hospital birth that I certainly didn't want to be in one of these situations where I just go to the hospital early on because I'm like, Oh, I'm having contractions. And then I show up and I'm two centimeters and they're like, eh, you can stay, but we're going to induce you and, or, you know, whatever it may turn into from going too early. Um, so she kind of suggested like, try to find somebody who can like just supervise you and kind of let you know when you might want to go in, when might be the right time to go in so that you can go way later. Um, so I said, that's a really good idea. And I looked up, I just happened to like look up midwives in my area and I did find one. Um, so I thought I'll just message her and see, I didn't know if that's something that she would offer, um, just to like supervise me until I went to the hospital. Um, and she texted me back right away. I messaged her and she messaged me back right away. And she said, you know, yeah, I may, I may consider doing something like that. Like how far along are you? Blah, blah, blah. And I was actually 30 weeks at the time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even meet my midwife until I was 30 weeks along, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy. <laughs> but, um, I told her I was 30 weeks and she said, okay, like I'll come over today if you have time. Um, Wow. You know, and just meet you and interview. You know, we'll do an interview and talk about everything. So she actually yeah, came over that day, which is just one example of the amazing um, care that midwives provide. Um, she came over. She's like the sweetest, just like 60 some year old lady. I'm like, I wish this woman could be like my grandma. Like She's so sweet. Um, and she met with my husband and I. And we talked and she kind of just said to me, so what's wrong with home birth? And I said, Mm -hmm. well, nothing. I said, actually, you know, I definitely would be interested in it. I just like, I have a couple concerns. Like, I don't know if I can get through the discomfort of labor without an epidural. I just really don't know. I've never experienced it before. Um, And also I said, I'm terrified of hemorrhaging (laughs) um, at home. And I said, those are really like my only two problems with home birth. Otherwise, I think it's amazing and I would love to do it. Um, And so we kind of just talked through that. She said, you know, the thing about the pain and the discomfort is you just don't know, you know, but it's important to when you know you're in early labor or if you think you are, it's important to rest because the biggest reason for transfer during a home birth is maternal exhaustion, not some crazy emergency. It's not you know, usually any kind of serious grave situation, it's just maternal exhaustion. You know, the mother has gone on way too long and she needs a little bit of help to get through the discomfort. Um, And that's, that's what, that's the number one reason for transfer. So, um, you know, it's important to rest and that's the best bet you have to get through it. Um, And she said, you know, regarding the hemorrhaging that I was so terrified of. She said, you know, of course, that's really, really rare as it is, but I carry Pitocin. I, you know, I know all the techniques to slow down bleeding if necessary. You know, um, she was considering getting this um, contraption. I forget what it was called, but something that like goes inside the uterus and inflates. Um, I don't know if you know the name. I don't. Um, yeah, some look it up now. Yeah, something that they put inside and it like inflates to stop the bleeding somehow. But she had a 
patient um, that's birth was coming up who was a bit higher risk for hemorrhage because she had had like five kids. Um, so, and she had hemorrhaged in the past. So, um, so that's why my midwife was considering investing in this um, device. Um, but she, you know, just really reassured me that like, look, like even if you start bleeding a lot, like I've got this, like we would never wait until it's too late to take you to the hospital. Like situations like that just don't happen. Like, and she really reassured me too, that, you know, I'm not in a business, I'm not in the business to ruin my reputation either. Like I have a reputation to uphold. Like, I'm not going to let anything happen to you and your baby. If there's decelerations in the baby's heart, like I'm going to catch that early on. We're going to go to the hospital. You know, if you're bleeding too heavily at all, I'm going to catch that early on and we're going to go to the hospital. Like nothing is going to happen. Um, that's out of our control. So just hearing her reassure me and talk with that kind of confidence, um, was just really comforting and definitely gave me, um, more confidence and I mean definitely confidence in her but I just still kind of lacked confidence in myself I just really wasn't sure if mentally or physically I would be capable but I knew that she was capable and that is kind of that kind of got me in the door of like maybe I could do this mm -hmm. um so yeah so we kind of just went from there she um carried out the rest of my prenatal care in tandem with my OB. Um, she actually knew and was friends with my OB. Um, so from whenever my midwife worked in the hospital, they knew each other. Um, and she said, you know, your OB is really supportive of my home births and stuff. And um, she'll be, she'll be fine that you're working with me and just tell her. And I said, okay. So um, at my next OB appointment, I told her, you know, I hired your friend um, to kind of supervise my labor at home until I'm ready to go into the hospital because I don't want to go super early. I want to stay at home as long as I possibly can, um, you know, because at that point, at this point, that was all that, you know, I was pretty sure that I would still ultimately end up in the hospital. Like home birth just seemed so still so unaccessible to me in a way, just because no, almost no one does it. I mean, it's only like what 1%, right. That do hunger. I mean, yep. So, you know, it's like, it just seems so inaccessible when you never, ever have known anyone else who does it, you know? Um, so I thought, oh, for sure. Still end up in the hospital. I'm just going to tell my OB that I've hired her for the purpose of going in as late as I possibly can. Um, so she was like, oh, that's great. I love Gail. Um, you know, Gail's the name of my midwife. Um, <laughs> I love her. Like, she's great. You're, um, you're going to have a great experience with her, whatever. Um, but then slowly but surely, and I should have mentioned earlier, another problem that I had with my OB was she always seemed to be like very wishy-washy, like one appointment, like from appointment to appointment, she would be almost a completely different person. Like, um, for example, with COVID, like she made, um, an exception for me because of my anxiety that my husband could be at my appointments with me, which was so amazing. Um, and a couple of times she allowed our parents to come and see an ultrasound because my OB did ultrasounds at every appointment. Um, and she at one point said that I could bring my husband's mom and sister but then, or she told me I could bring his mom. And then once she was there, she was like, 
she like scolded me and was like, I can't have you bringing people every time. Like I could like lose my practice. Like it was just so bizarre how she would go from zero to a hundred on like telling me I could like do something and then turn around and like be really strange about it. And then like a couple appointments later, she was like, so am I ever going to see your mom again, Sergio? She said that to my husband. I'm like, you just scolded me for bringing her. Like, what are you talking about? And I'm trusting you to deliver my baby. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so then when it came time and I told her about my midwife, she was, like I said, all for it. Well, then one or two appointments later, I started sensing her hesitance. She like sat me down at the end of an appointment and was like, she had a really uncomfortable discussion with me about like, what if you tear, like who's going to fix it? Um, I was like, well, I mean, Gail's perfectly capable of suturing, like, you know, midwives do those kinds of things. And she was like, okay, well, I, everyone says I give the best perineal reconstructions and the best circumcisions and just like all this stuff. It was super, super awkward. Like my midwife was totally under the impression that my OB was very supportive of her practice. And I was finding out that that was definitely not the case, um, at least on that given day. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) it was super weird. Yeah. And, um, and then I tested positive for group B strep. And then my OB starts trying to use that as like some kind of scare tactic to get me to go to the hospital. Um, As if my midwife couldn't just give me antibiotics at home, which she did. And, you know, it just was like one thing after another um, of like her trying to like keep me with her, I think, Um, which I understand. It's a lot of money to lose out on a delivery of a baby. But at the same time, I felt like it's my right completely. I'm paying both of you for the services that I am getting. And if I don't end up delivering my baby with either one of you, like, that's just how it is. I'm paying you for what you're doing for me, you know, but she didn't like that, but the midwife was totally all for it. Um, So at some point in this time, had you already decided you were going to attempt the home birth or were you just kind of like leaving your options open for either way? I was really leaving my options open because I'm like the type of person who, and I've heard, this is something I actually, I'm glad you asked that because this is something I really wanted to touch on because I've heard people say before like something along the lines of like you have to really commit to a home birth in your mind to do it um but that was not the case for me um for me I'm the type of person I get like what I call emotional claustrophobia like if I feel stuck in a situation or like if I feel like I can't get out of something or I committed too hard to something like sometimes it's like way too much for me mentally and emotionally. Like I need that sort of out that I know I have just in case I can't handle something um, to allow me to handle something, if that makes any sense at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, keeping in the back of my mind that I would give myself the grace of if I can't handle this if this is too much pain or discomfort or anything for me um you know I can still go to the hospital not ideal situation with my OB but I will go and I will get an epidural if I have to you know that that is my backup plan and I think knowing that I would give myself that consideration of I'm not going to judge myself if it gets to that point um 
I'm going to know that I tried as hard as I could to bring my baby here the way that I wanted to, but you know, plans don't always work out kind of thing. Um, to have that alternative, it just really, really, I think it's what allowed me to do it because I knew it's okay either way. Kind right. of thing. Um, so that really, really, really helped me. Um, but yeah, so I was leaning towards home birth. I think I considered at the time that I was like 60% for home birth and 40% for hospital birth. Um, and really it was just those two residual fears of, I don't know if I can get through this without an epidural. A lot of people can't or don't. And, um, I don't know. I'm scared of the hemorrhaging. Those were like my two biggest things. Um, so I really worked hard the last trimester to clear those fears. Um, and of course, I never knew until I did it of whether I could do it with or without the epidural because you just don't know um, how you're going to tolerate the discomfort and the um, intensity, you know, of the contraction. But um, but I did I did clear my fear about hemorrhaging, so that was that was helpful um, and also allowed me to do it. But so after I hired my midwife, um, it was probably two weeks or so later that I really started like, okay, I really want this home birth. Like I'm going to do more research about this and really educate myself and listen to as many home birth stories as I can. So that's when I stumbled upon your podcast, um, and your, your home happy home birth Academy. Um, and I had already done like so many birth classes. My husband was probably ready to kill me. I probably spent like a thousand dollars on birth classes <laughs> throughout my pregnancy, which is crazy, but it, was so helpful um, to educate myself as much as I did. And I'm so glad that I ultimately decided to um, purchase your class as well, because it's the only one um, out there that's only about home birth. Um, no other birth classes prepare you for birth and specifically home birth in the way that Happy Home Birth Academy does. Um, and now that I was really geared on the path of, I want a home birth, I don't know if I can do it, but I really, really want it. Um, I, I was just so happy to find a resource like yours because it was just, there was nothing else like that. So, um, just like the thoroughness of the education in your course and the, like, just knowing each step, each process that your body is going through is so important for home birth because in the hospital, like you don't, it's helpful to know those things still, but it's like, you'll be so, hopefully not, but in many cases, you might be so bullied and pushed around in the hospital that like, it's almost like it doesn't even matter if you know what's going on because they're just going to tell you what needs to happen anyway and like pressure you into, um, you know, maybe things, unfortunately, that you don't want. Um, and I just feel like it's less... Um, not less necessary, but it's just so much more necessary for home birth to know exactly what's going on with your body. Because if you don't, you're going to be scared. Um, and if you do know what's going on, you're not going to be scared because even though you might be in severe um, discomfort or just really, really feeling some intensity from your labor, like, you know, all of this is normal. Um, and because you've educated yourself. And that's something that I really got from your class was just knowing 
exactly what my body was doing and how normal that was. And that my body was perfectly capable. Oh man, I cannot thank you enough. <laughs> that is so great to hear. And honestly, I, I couldn't say it better myself with the concept of if you know what's going on, you're not going to be scared. You're going to know, oh yeah, I remember this. This is normal. This is just, you know, such and such. It is such a game changer. And honestly, I really hadn't put much thought to the fact that it is different from the hospital experience, you know, that it is different. And I guess subconsciously, it is why I put so much emphasis on understanding or teaching the process of labor, the physiological process of labor, it is more necessary in the home when you, when you really think about it. So thanks. You're giving me a little insight there. (laughs) Yeah, no problem at all. I mean, that's definitely how I felt. And, you know, it was just so important for me. I'm just somebody who, who has to know all the details of what's going on or else I'm going to be a nervous wreck. So, and just like the uncertainty of leaving, um, leaving, my experience up to hospital staff and like nurses that I've never met. Um, you know, even though maybe I, I had been developed, I had developed a relationship of some sort with my OB, like I was going to go into the hospital with nurses I had never known. And they were going to be the ones who, you know, were going to be ultimately doing most of my care until the pushing and the OB comes in and catches the baby and like, that's it. So, you know, I just, I knew that I wanted more for myself and that's what, um, midwife care offers, but still like you can't just, if you want to do it at home, you know, you have to have that, that self-drivenness to do it and the self-awareness of what's going on because midwives kind of, they meet you where you're at, you know, like they're there for you and they know that they're in your home. Like they're not there to boss you around like they would, like nurses in a hospital may or like an OB in a hospital may. So it's still very much your scene and your experience. And it's just so important to know what's happening and to be the one in control of that. So it was, I I learned so much from you. Well, you are laying down the facts right now, Francesca. This is so good. And one thing that I'm thinking about is how ultimately from the very beginning, you were searching for the midwives model of care, you know, without even knowing it, you were wanting private care. You wanted to know your care provider. You wanted to be connected to this person. You were searching for it. You just didn't know that you could attain it. And then it's like, wow, once you find this midwife who's willing to come over to your house, the day that you reach out to her, like, hello, this is an angel from above. That is, it's so incredible that you got what you wanted even when you didn't realize initially that that's what you were looking for yes exactly and it was it was just like meeting her was it just felt like when you meet the perfect like person on a first date and you know like oh my god this is the one for me like it was love at first sight with her Your second love story <laughs> yeah it was even for my husband like after she left he was like well I'm totally comfortable I think we should have him at home now it's like okay like wow Yeah. Well, okay. So knowing that that's how everything kind of played out, I'm excited to hear about the actual birth. And, you know, as you got up to that day, what you were thinking was going to happen and then what actually took place. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I found your, um, class and podcast late in the game, but I continued listening to, um, your podcast 
pretty much exclusively at that point um, till the end because I was trying to think home birth into existence. So I wasn't really listening to hospital birth stories or anything else at that point. Um, I really, really wanted this home birth and I was pretty much, I think that that's what was in my mind. Like I said, I just like still just didn't know until the day came, like how I was going to tolerate it. So, but I think, um, I just, I was really ready. Like I went from being completely terrorized and just filled with so much fear. But I mean, I would cry to my mom, like, I don't know. I just think I want to get a C-section because I don't know if I can go through labor and delivery mid-pregnancy. That was my thinking. And then by the end, I was so excited to see what my body could do and to experience labor and delivery that like the fear was so minimal at that point. Um, I was just so ready. And so from anxiety to excitement, basically. Exactly. And by the end, I was crying not about fear of labor. I was crying because I wanted my baby to come. I was just so frustrated and I was so ready. Um, and, you know, I just, I guess the hormones, you know, are going and all that, but I was just so ready. So, um, yeah, I went to an OB appointment, um, I think at 37 weeks it was, and um she told me I was one centimeter dilated and 50% effaced, I think it was. And she was like, um, I'd say you'll have your baby within the week. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, like, I mean, she said, I've had, I've had a woman before who was at four centimeters for a couple of weeks. So it could be anything, but she was like, your cervix is definitely progressing and getting ready. And I was eating lots of dates, um, tons of dates because she had actually, my OB had actually recommended them. And I believe that they did help my cervix soften and prepare. Um, There's a lot of amazing research about dates. It's the weirdest thing. It's just a fruit, but it's so amazing for the cervix. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had been eating lots of dates. I think it was helping my cervix progress for sure. Um, I did not have my baby within a week and I was so frustrated. I was like, oh my gosh. That makes it way harder if... (laughs) Like <laughs> provider tells you, oh, I think it'll be within the week. And then, you know, three weeks later, like, oh, that is not a good look. Yes. Well, and you know, I have to say, and I hate to be like a negative, like skeptic, but I have to say, I, I wonder because I know another girl who's pregnant right now, whose OB said the same thing to her around 37 weeks. And I'm wondering if it's not some kind of tactic to like make you more amenable to an induction if you go like a little bit late because they've frustrated you since 37 weeks. And that is some psychological warfare. You're right. (laughs) I'm just like wondering, because that's, I mean, to tell a 37 week pregnant woman who has all these emotions running, all these hormones, like that their baby's going to come. Like, it's just so cruel to almost do, even if you think that, like, do not do that to a pregnant woman. (laughs) It could be another month. Honestly, (laughs) I know, I know. So, and I knew that too. So I think just from the second she said that to me, I was like driven crazy because I was like, oh my God, like, (laughs) please let her be right. But I also knew how unlikely, especially with me being a first time mom, um, that that was to be true. So it was just very frustrating. Um, So yeah, I did not have my baby within the week, but I did. Um. I did have them at 39 weeks, so it wasn't too much longer. I didn't go late, and I was very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Very um, good. Yeah, so let's see. Should I get into when I actually knew I was in labor then? Please, I'd love to hear it. Okay, so 
let's see, it was Monday, December 28th. Um, I was just like pretty much at that point where I was like, you know, I was almost 39 weeks that day. So the next day I was 39 weeks. So I was like, okay, you know, it's like totally fine to be trying some natural things to get um, labor going. Like I had been sort of casually trying like some nipple stimulation and um, you know, every few days I would try to have sex with my husband, even though it was like really hard at that point. And Very I cumbersome sex. <laughs> yeah, like just really difficult. I'm like, this is so like probably unbecoming from his perspective, but <laughs> whatever. Um, but also I had a lot of pain with sex throughout my pregnancy and I don't really know why I think it was the increased blood flow to the vagina. Like I had my OE check it out. Cause I thought I had like a vaginal varicose vein or something. So I was freaking out, but she said it was nothing and there was nothing to be found. So I guess I can't explain it other than it was the, um, you know, increased blood flow. So we hadn't been, you know, intimate as much as I would have liked, but, you know, towards the end, I was like kind of trying to pick it up a little bit because I knew that that can really help ripen the cervix. So I was like, let's get this going. Like when um, I'll just grin and bear it. Nothing comes without <laughs> good pain. <laughs> so no pain, no gain. So um, I was like trying to do that. And I was drinking a lot of red raspberry leaf tea, um, which a lot of people say they don't like, but I really liked it, honestly. Um, I thought it was good. Uh, I like it. I like it mixed with other things. There's a, a Nora tea recipe that I love that includes rosebuds and rose hips. And holy moly, that is just, it's like drinking a little bit of paradise. You just feel so fancy. Oh, that sounds good. That sounds beautiful. Um, yeah, I would put like, I would do a couple different varieties. Like I would put um, agave, uh, syrup, pure agave in my tea, um, or I would do some lemon or both. Um, and that was really good. And a couple times I did just drink it plain and I really didn't mind that either. But I, it's just funny because I've like really heard people saying like, it's super gross. And when I first, I was like dreading it because I really, really wanted to use it. And I don't do like well with things that are, I don't stick well to habits if they're not like enjoyable, you know? So I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. But as soon as I tasted it, I was like, this is fine. I don't know why people hate it so much, but <laughs> so yeah, I was like drinking that, um, every day and trying the nipple stimulation, trying the sex. Um, and then the day that, um, the day before I had my baby, I said, let's definitely try to have sex today. Like, let's just get this baby out of here. We can do it. I think so. Um, so we did that. We went on a walk. Um, we went on another walk later and we actually had massages that day too. So it was kind of a recipe for labor induction, I think. Um, and after, um, after our first walk and after we had sex, we went to the mall and we were kind of like just, we had some Chick-fil-A, which was great. And then um, we were shopping around and I was noticing a lot of Braxton Hicks, which I had, I've had, I had Braxton Hicks my entire pregnancy. Um, so I had had um, Braxton Hicks contractions pretty much throughout my entire pregnancy. Like I remember the first one I ever felt probably like 13 weeks along or something. I didn't know what they were yet. I thought it was like the baby like scrunching up or moving around. Um, but around probably mid-pregnancy, I figured out like what had been going on. Um, 
So it was really nothing like super out of the ordinary um, that I was experiencing these contractions that day. Um, they had picked up a lot over the last like week. Um, and a lot of times too, like I would feel like a period cramping sensation with them. Um, but this particular day after the morning, um, we went to the mall and we were kind of just walking around and um, shopping and whatever. And I was feeling like the Braxton Hicks coupled with a lot of like downward pressure. Um, so I was kind of starting to think like, okay, maybe, you know, this might be something, but honestly, I'd been thinking that for two weeks. So I was like, whatever, I'm trying not really to get too excited or get my hopes up about it. I was trying to just enjoy, enjoy the day with my husband and everything, but I really was hoping um, that something was getting started. And plus we had a massage later. So I was like, maybe that'll like really tip it over the edge. So um, we left them all, went to our massages and the contractions like kind of slowed down during my massage. Like I wasn't noticing anything really until like towards the end, I kind of felt one again. And then um, as we left, I started, um, we got in the car and left and I was noticing them in the car. And I was, I kind of started thinking these are actually like, they seem to be happening much more right, like in much more of a regular fashion than they have been over the last couple of weeks. Like, you know, I'd been having them all along, but it wasn't really like a regular thing. This started feeling like, wait, these are coming in waves. Mm -hmm. Um, so when we got home, I said to my husband, I was like, I think I might be in labor, but I'm not sure. And I found it frustrating because like everything, anytime you try to like Google labor signs online or whatever, like it's always like, you'll always find something that says when you're in true labor, you will know. <laughs> um, but that's just not the case. I feel like, I mean, especially if you've had contractions all along, like it's very confusing because it really, for me, at least it did start gracefully. Like it wasn't just like, boom, I'm in horrible pain and all this. It was nothing like that. Like I didn't feel pain until six hours before I had my baby. And I was like, experiencing contractions regularly for like 27 hours, you know, but really the only discomfort, like severe enough to be what I consider very uncomfortable was only six hours long, you know? So it's just like, I did not know for sure whether I was in labor at all. Um, so I said, I just don't know. And I felt kind of dumb saying it because he knew and I knew that I had been symptom spotting labor for like weeks. Um, so I just felt kind of stupid saying it. And I was like, this is probably nothing and it'll just stop. Um, so I like cooked dinner. I cooked a hello fresh meal and I was just like, so out of my mind, like I was just so out of it. I felt like just so distracted and just really antsy to figure out if it was going to be anything. And I was starting to feel like a little anxious, like kind of adrenaline-y, um, type of feeling. And, um, we, we started deciding to time, we decided to start timing the contractions and they were, it was hard to time them at the time because like I said, they weren't painful in any way. Um, I could barely even feel them or notice them because it was only the tightening, um, of my stomach. So I was like, um, not really sure when one was really ending and starting, like it felt like my stomach stayed hard for such a long time, like two minutes and stuff, you know, and that's not really super normal. So I was like, I don't know then, like, I just didn't really know if we were timing them right or whatever, but we were kind of getting like five to seven minutes apart from the beginning, like that I said that. So I was like, this is interesting. So I texted my midwife um, and I told her, I said, I've been having 
some regular contractions um, that are timeable, but I said I'm not in any discomfort at all, so I don't know if it's anything. Um, and she said, try taking a bath, and if they go away, um, then it was just like pre-labor stuff, whatever. Um, but if it's real labor, it'll keep up. So I said, okay. Um, so I got in the bath and it almost seemed like, it almost seemed like they intensified in a way in the bath. Like I started noticing them like a tightening in my back along with it. So I was like, wait, this like might be real then. Um, and I remember after I got out of the bath, I, um, went to go to the bathroom and it was so, I had a contraction while I was sitting on the toilet that was like actually pretty intense compared to what I was experiencing. Like it was just, there was definitely discomfort with that contraction because the toilet will open you right up. Yes, exactly. I was like, the toilet is like, holy hell, like it's Mm -hmm. so unbearable. Like why? Um, But you know, my midwife explained later that like, cause the baby is so applied on the cervix when you're sitting in that position that it's just really intense. Mm -hmm. Um, Even in that early, early labor, that contraction on the toilet, I was like, Ooh, that was like something. Um, So I told her, you know, Hey, I took a bath for half an hour and it's still like kind of coming like in the same way. And I had some that were more spaced out, like closer to nine or 10 minutes, but for the most part, it was like six, seven minutes apart. Um, even that early on. So, um, she said, well, it sounds like, you know, it could be something, why don't you take a Benadryl, um, and go to bed, like try to rest as much as you can if you feel like you can sleep. Um, and if not, just like lay there at least, like, please remember that exhaustion will not be your friend is what she said to me. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I did, I was a good girl. (laughs) I listened to my midwife and I took a Benadryl and, um, I laid there, um, all night. I was really, really good about it. And, um, I tried hard to sleep and I, I do think I eventually, I did sleep eventually for maybe two or three hours, but for the first part of the night, I was like really just restless and I think just excited and anxious um, and just feeling like just that labor fog kind of maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just couldn't really get to sleep, but then I did, I did end up getting like two to three hours, I think maybe even, maybe even four. Um, but I got up finally around maybe 5.30 or 6 a.m. on Tuesday, the 29th. Um, and I said, to my husband, I was like, I'm just gonna get up now and take a shower. I think I've tried hard enough to rest. I think I put in a good effort. Like I laid down at probably 10 o'clock or nine o'clock the night before. So I was like, I did what she said. Like, I'm gonna get up now and see if I can I get did my duty. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, I was proud of myself for even sticking, hanging in there that long. I was like, you know, I'm usually more impatient. So I was like, I did what I needed to do. So I'm gonna try to see if I can pick things up now. Cause it just wasn't really progressing and I think even like I'm assuming while I was sleeping the contractions might have stopped I'm, I'm just really not sure um but as soon as I got up again I could tell like no this is definitely gonna be something I think because um the contractions picked up and also I was having blood when I wiped mm. um so like bloody mucus so I knew like okay this is this is it for sure so I um, messaged my midwife and I told her, hey, I rested all night. Um, I'm still having contractions, timeable. Um, and 
and I'm also having some blood tinged mucus, um, coming out. So I'm thinking that this is it. And she said, she said, yeah, um, you know, it sounds like we may have a baby today or tomorrow. I'm thinking tomorrow. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was definitely hoping for that day. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, just, I took a shower and the contractions were keeping up and I was kind of keeping her posted on how things were going. She said, um, I'll come over around 9am if things are still picking up. Um, so she did come around then and she checked me and I was only, I was two centimeters dilated at that point and 90% of face. So I had a face a lot more, but only dilated one centimeter, but I was, I was okay with that. Cause I knew that like I kind of knew that like first time moms tend to face quicker than they dilate. So I was like, well, once I'm at fully a face, like the dilating will happen more smoothly. Um, so I was good with that news and I wasn't in any pain still. So I was like, not even upset. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband and I were like playing bananagrams and <laughs> just like hanging out. So it was fine. Um, and she said, I'm going to leave for a while and come back. Um, you know, I have some patience and you seem totally fine. Um, so I'm going to leave and come back. And, um, I can't remember if it was that time or the next time that she came, but she started trying to give me my IV antibiotics for, um, for the group B strep. Um, but I have like small veins and I, um, they always like just get hurt if I don't use like the butterfly baby needle. (laughs) Um, so, and something, for some reason she couldn't use that kind, um, I think it can't be put as like a headlock or something, I think was the issue. Um, but so she was like, yeah, you do have tricky veins. Like, and I was like starting to give myself a panic attack in the meantime. So I was like, I just, I feel like I can't do this. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to put my baby at risk, but I also know there's only like a 1% chance of him contracting this. Like, it's kind of ridiculous that I'm even having to go through this right now. Like I'm so stressed. She said, well, I can give you um, the inner, the shot intermuscular instead of IV. So that's what we ended up doing. She was uncomfortable with it. I could tell because that's not standard of care, but um, as a midwife, you know, they're here for you. So she did what I was most comfortable with, which I was really, really grateful for. Cause I was, I was going to put myself in a bad way if I had to get that IV. Right. Um, so it was really good that she worked with me there. I know she was a little upset, but <laughs> But it was good. Um, And so I eventually got the shot um, and things just kind of kept on progressing. Um, I was, I think it was around 1130 or noon. My mom came over, she brought lunch. I tried to eat, but I really could only take a few bites of soup. So I knew like, okay, this is for sure the real deal. I'm in active labor now because I can't eat and, um, I'm probably gonna have a baby today, you know? Um, And the next time my midwife came back, I was um, four centimeters and 100% of face, which I was was pretty much thrilled with because I still wasn't in any like significant discomfort. I'd say like, maybe you could compare it to a pretty good period cramp. Like, you know, it just wasn't anything super, unmanageable at all. I was like, I can totally do this forever if I had to (laughs) at that, at that level. Um, so, um, I was happy with that progress too. Um, but I definitely knew things were picking up because there was definitely a level of discomfort to it, but that was totally fine with me. And then, um, 
by the next time she came back, um, I told, right when she got there, because she was popping in and out all day, seeing other patients and then coming back to me. Um, and the net, by the next time she came back, as she came in, I had told my husband, based on, I said, depending on how far along I am right now, I'm not sure if I can do this anymore, like without an epidural, like I might want to go into the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and she checked me when she came back again. And I'm, I didn't know that if I would want checks or not, cause I thought it would discourage me. I wasn't too worried about infections cause I, my water wasn't broken or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I thought it would discourage me. So before labor, I didn't know if I wanted those or wanted to know at least, but throughout labor, it actually really kind of helped me get a gauge of like how much more I could handle. Um, so I was glad I did them. Um, but when she came back that time and I didn't think I could go anymore, um, I was six centimeters. Mm. So I was like, okay, like, you know, and she said I could try the tub. So we had an inflatable birth tub and my husband went and started filling it up. And after he was done filling it, I got in that tub and I didn't get out until I was nine centimeters. Um, and I was in there, I was in that tub from three o'clock to like eight o'clock probably, um, eight o'clock at night, three to eight. So by the time, um, I was about to get out of the tub, I was getting into that like panicky, like, I don't think I can do this, you know, the classic transition, um, experience. And, um, I looked at my midwife and I said, is it too late to go to the hospital? And she was like, I mean, I can prep you, but like, I'm going to have to give you two bags of, of, um, fluid IV if you want an epidural and, um, you're going to have to go there, go through triage, all this stuff. Like you're basically going to have a baby by the time you would get an epidural. Like you probably don't have time. Yeah. Um, So I was like, okay. And I was glad, I mean, not maybe in the moment, but I'm just so grateful in hindsight that she, you know, was straight with me and just said like, look, I can, you know, I'm not going to tell you, no, it's your right to do whatever you want. But like, this is what's going to happen. What's that? I just said, realistically. (laughs) Yeah, realistically, you're going to pop out a baby, like either on the way there or in triage was basically probably what was going to happen. So I was like, okay, you know, and I was just like, kind of like pouting about that. But um, I, uh, she, I think not long after that, she said, let's try getting out of the tub. Because I had been in there like at least four hours, I think. Um, So I got out and, oh, and I had been super nauseous through every contraction. And I had even allowed her to give me a shot of like a um, anti-nausea medication, which I think helped a little bit at first, but I almost wish I hadn't taken it and just thrown up sooner because when I finally threw up, when I got out of the tub, um, I was in my bed and I was on hands and knees and I just started gagging and like, they're like, Oh, somebody get her bowl. And I just like projectile vomit multiple times into this bowl. And it felt so good. Um, and another one of my fears is vomiting and throw up. So it's like, it's so funny, but I like loved it. <laughs> um, I loved it. It felt so good. And I almost think I'm cured of my phobia. It was like just amazing. Um, 
so I felt so much better. It like gave me a second wind. I was like almost able to like joke around a little bit after that. It was wow. just, and I was nine centimeters. So it was like, it was amazing. Um, I just felt so much better. That didn't last long. Of course, it was only a few minutes later that I was like freaking back to my transitional freak out and telling my midwife, I thought I was going to give myself a heart attack. No. She was like, you're not. <laughs> um, luckily, she totally understood my anxiety and knew how to deal with me. So that was awesome. a good match. But um, so she suggests I get up and try dancing with my husband a little bit, like trying to get more vertical because I had been on hands and knees a lot. Um she told me to try to go pee and I was like, not the toilet, <laughs> like, you know, um, and that was horrible. Um, super horrible. Just the pressure of the baby coming down at that point was so much on my cervix is very intense. Mm-hmm. And it felt like there was no break between my contractions. And I should probably mention that I had back labor, which shocked me. Um, but pretty much all of my discomfort was in my back. Um, so yeah, I was just getting really, really intense. I was, you know, starting to get pretty panicky, which is good news because it was the end was coming. Um, And everybody there knew that, of course, but in your labor mind, you're like, Oh, what can I do? Um, So my mom and husband kind of started suggesting to my midwife, like, could we break her water? Because I still hadn't lost my water at that point. Um, And I, my midwife said, well, yeah, I can, but it's going to be go time once her water breaks. And my mom and husband were thinking like, is it not already go time? Like, look at what she's going through. Like, this is already like super intense. So um, she was like, well, let me check her and see. Um, And I had already been like sort of trying to like get, push a little bit, like, but completely um, it was completely contrived. Like I couldn't, I didn't feel an urge to push, but I was like nine and a half centimeters. So she told me that if I wanted to, kind of start trying to bear down that that was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't, it felt so frustrating because I didn't have that urge because I wasn't fully open, I guess. And because my water wasn't broken. I think that was holding me back. Um, And I just didn't feel any type of, like my body was not helping me out. It was just me trying to push and it wasn't doing anything. So that was frustrating. Um, But so she said, before I break her water, like I'm just going to check and see, you know, where she's at. And as soon as she even just like put her fingers in me to try to check my dilation, my water bag was bulging and it just exploded everywhere. (laughs) So um, once that was done, I was ready to push and I started getting like that, like, I don't know if I can call it the fetal ejection reflex, but there was definitely something more than just me behind it. It was my body was doing something that I don't think I could really fully control. Like I was it wasn't just me trying to push anymore. My body was doing it for me too. Yeah. You needed to push. It was that feeling of like, oh yeah, I need to go along with this. Exactly. Yes. And that's when I started feeling more positive. I think like what was in my head in those tough moments of transition was like, I know that some women push for four hours. Like I cannot do this for four hours. There's no way. Like that's what was getting to me in my head and really kind of beating me down was the possibility of going on for hours more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that was really the negative talk that I was having in my head. But then, um, I, you know, when, once I started like functionally pushing, I was like, oh, like, okay, this is better. 
but it was so much harder than I had anticipated. Like I really like dreamed of being in like this earth goddess squat and just like breathing my baby down. I didn't want to do any purple pushing or holding my breath. But when the time came, like that's just what my body needed to get my baby out. Like I, I mean, I know ultimately the body will truly do the work all by itself, but in the moment, like that's what had to happen. So I was like, you know, just shrieking and like, just not beautiful or goddess, like how I wanted it all. But that's the, that's the truth of that's the reality. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that is a perfectly, you know, acceptable way to do it. There is no right or wrong. Like that is your body's going to do what your body needs to do. And just going with it is what's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked for me. And I, I was on my back too, which I didn't anticipate being, um, but I was just at that point in so much discomfort that I felt like, I don't know. I just, I think it would have been too unbearable to stand or do any type of upright position, which I had really wanted to do, but surprisingly being on my back, like I don't feel that it hindered my pushing in any way because it only ended up taking like from the time um, I started like truly pushing after my water was broken. It only took 30 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I was really lucky and being on my back didn't feel counterproductive at all. Like I actually feel like I can't imagine what other position I would have pushed in. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. It just seemed to work for me. And my mom was like behind my back, like, like lifting my back and like pushing me forward to curl me into like more of a C shape. And I think that that helped me get some momentum too. Wow. Um, Oh, and mind you, my dad is like also in the room, just like walking around like my dad. Um, so the whole, it's a whole family affair. Um, yeah, it was great. We're, we're a naked family. We've always been yep. a naked family. So it's fine. That's the kind of family I grew up in. So yeah, very open, very open. My dad would like open the door to our home in his boxers. And I didn't realize that was weird until I was much older. I was like, oh, huh. I guess that's pretty strange. That sounds like my dad. He would always be walking around in just swim trunks. Like I have friends over and he just has his big beer gut like hanging out. And like, you know, I'm just like, oh my God. That's so funny. But yeah, so we're we're a very open family. I was not at all uncomfortable with, you know, my dad even being there. But uh, I also, um, so yeah, I was kind of, you know, doing the screaming and the purple pushing more than I wanted to be doing, but it was working. So I was like, it's fine. Um, and my, I was like, so sure that my baby wasn't moving down. I was like, it's not working. Like he's, he's not, it feels like he's not coming down at all. And, um, the midwife's birth assistant said, um, she was like, he is look at your stomach. It's basically gone. Like, you know, when the baby moves down, like the top of your bump is not there anymore. Cause they're in your pelvis. So I was like, oh yeah. And I like touched my stomach and I was like, oh my gosh, it's like gone. Um, and not long after that, I got to reach down and feel my baby's head. And of course I was like almost crying and I'm like, Oh, it's my boy, you know? And it just really like gave me the momentum to finish the, the birth. And, um, I was just so excited at that point to, to know that my son was coming. It's like, you know, when you're in the throes of labor, you almost forget in a way, like what the point of it all is, you know? Right. Um, I, when I got to that point, I was just like, oh yeah, like he's going to be here in a few minutes. Um, and that was so exciting. And then, um, yeah, so we got down to crowning and I, I definitely felt that ring of fire that people talk about, but I, 
it certainly wasn't the most uncomfortable part of the day. I was like, it's not like that bad. It's okay. Mm -hmm. um, but it was intense. You know, the, it was a really intense burning and I did notice it, but it was, um, it wasn't my least favorite part for sure. Right. <laughs> um, so that was tolerable. And then, um, his, his head came out and, um, my husband, we knew that my husband wanted to hand him to me and basically deliver him. So my midwife had told us ahead of time, like, just let me get the shoulders out and then Sergio can pull him out the rest of the way and hand him to you. And that's what we did. And it was just, it was the most amazing thing to have your husband basically deliver your baby um, and hand him to you. And it was just, Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was just a beautiful experience for the two of us. Like, I'm just so glad that we, for if there it was no other reason that I loved that we did it at home. And of course there is I for every reason, but if there was no other reason, that would be the reason that I love a home birth because that would just almost never happen in the hospital, like just liability and stuff. Um, so it was just such an amazing thing that he got to do that. Um, for us. And he said that he just felt like he was just completely electrified. Like his entire body was tingling, pulling our baby out and handing him to me. Like he just, the way that my husband described it, I could have just cried. Mm -hmm. um, he was just so, so emotional about it. And he was an amazing birth partner. He was in the tub with me for the entire four hours I was in there, oh, wow. giving me counter pressure telling me what a good job I did after each contraction. Like I actually like teared up a couple of times throughout my labor, just because of how sweet and amazing my husband was being. I could not believe it. Like what a good partner he was. That's amazing. But, yeah. Oh, that just, that really just makes my heart want to explode. With <laughs> that is such a beautiful picture. And, and I do think that a lot of emphasis should be put on the fact that home birth does provide I feel like just a level of connection between mother and baby, but also father and baby, you know, your husband was able to, to have that electric sensation, you know, that that is just a major imprinting moment, you know, that that is just laying the foundations of bonding, like nothing else could. And the fact that you guys were able to have that together is just so wonderful. It really was. And there's no other way that we would have if not for home. And I'm just so like grateful that it all worked out the way it did because it truly was the the experience that I needed to have. And I can't I still can't believe that I did it. But I'm just so it just gives you a pride that like I don't think anything else can. Oh gosh, I I completely agree. And what a beautiful way and what an empowered way to walk into motherhood and and really just tying it back to the beginning where you discussed the fact that, you know, there was such anxiety around giving birth. There was there was this anxiety around this entrance into motherhood. And you ended up making a choice that empowered your birthing experience, but truly, you know, the way that you enter into motherhood, just, it, I feel like it shapes, it can shape so much. And you entered it in such an empowered state of mind. I just, I'm so happy for you for that. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I needed that as a person, my midwife, when she was leaving that night, and of course, hours later, mm -hmm. she was leaving. And she said, I just, at one point, um, just ask God to give this to you because I'm not a religious person, but she is. And, you know, that's totally fine with me. I respect that. Um, 
And she said, I just, I asked God to give this to you because you just, I wanted you to know how healthy and strong you are. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm somebody who my whole life has not believed that I'm healthy, even though I am. I mean, I had, I've had multiple EKGs just because I thought I had a heart problem I didn't have, you know, I'm that type of person, hypochondriac person. So she just said, you know, I wanted you to have, I just wanted you to have this. And it did change the way that I believe in my body. And it's, it's pretty amazing. I feel really grateful. Gosh. Well, like I said, I feel like there are going to be a number of women who really relate to your experience. And this is going to be likely the boost that many of them need to say, okay, I can do this too. And it's going to be such a great experience for me. So Francesca, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your beautiful story with us. It was just such an honor. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. I'm so grateful that I was able to do this. Wasn't that an amazing episode? As we head into this bonus episodes episode roundup, I have a few thoughts that I'd really love to share. The first one, Anxiety does not have to opt you out of a home birth. You can take steps to conquer your fears, learn about your body, and learn your strengths as a woman and mother through the process of midwifery care and home birth. Second, I found it so interesting and such a neat perspective that Francesca was in no way dogmatic about her choices. She allowed herself the grace to choose where she would finally give birth all the way up through her labor. Though this may not be the way others view their home birthing decision, I certainly appreciate Francesca mentioning this, and I do believe it could be a very helpful approach for some. And finally, as Francesca mentioned, knowing what is happening during the labor is over half the battle. When you know that what you're experiencing is normal, you can relax, let go, and allow your body and baby to work together. Now, to learn more about this process, make sure that you're signed up for my free upcoming masterclass, Home Birth Mythbusters, the five myths you need to bust to have a happy home birth. Remember, head to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash mythbusters to reserve your seat. Spaces are limited, so don't wait. All right, my friends, that's all I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.